My name is nobody. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live, but I can tell you that this is The Axe Files. Your reread podcast about every single Animorphs book in order. Today, I am joined by the most wanted criminal on this side of the Andalite homeworld. It's Vivian. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in the past you have said where you live, at least in general. <laughs> Same here, actually. And we are also joined by the most elegant estuarine on Earth. It's Kate. Hi. <laughs> Uh, new project. I don't remember day. what that is. That's uh, someone who's super good at morphing. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I had to come up with a new good thing. thing. You said that because I have no context. <laughs> <laughs> so how are y'all? New show, new things. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, well, was it? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm I'm new to your whole deal, but not new to Animorphs. This is a old hat for me. I grew up with these books. Um, I've been wanting to do something like this for a while, so I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, we talked about this back in 2017, and it's only just now happening. So, yes. <laughs> and that, meanwhile, I'm the complete opposite. I read a few chapters of one random Animorphs book when I was a kid, and was like, "Why is this kid stuck with a bird?" <laughs> and had no context. <laughs> Well, but but at the same time, I've also kind of been interested in these books ever since uh, Applegate uh, basically told a bunch of tourists to fuck off. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Applegate is basically the anti-Rowling, uh, as far as I can tell. <laughs> basically, yeah, pretty much. yeah. Like I feel like it was like I feel like it was kind of right around the same time that Rowling was going full mask off and mm-hmm. embracing all sorts of fascism that Applegate was like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, was it around the same time that her kid came out as trans, or was it like was that way prior? Uh, I don't know. I think I think it was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, that probably would have been a lot earlier. Um, oh, okay. I know that she's been, you know, at least silently pro-trans for a long time. So. Yeah, like the first That's thing is that that I'm aware of, at least, is that there's a very trans reading of Tobias, and she said that she was cool with that, even though it wasn't what she would intended before she ever said trans rights, so... Yeah, I mean, I do distinctly remember hearing people say that one point, at some point or another, he is like, yeah, I'm more comfortable in, like, bird form. And it's like, yeah, that's trans. (laughs) (laughs) It might be the other way around with Tobias, but uh, we'll get into that much later in, like, the third book, I think. Yeah, I feel like it was like book three or something Mm -hmm. that I had picked up from the library randomly at one point. So of course, yeah, I had no context for what the fuck was going on. I knew animorphs were like obviously animal morphing, and like I was like, oh, okay, this kid's a bird. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I, I. The only other thing I distinctly remember is I remember seeing the advertisements for the Nickelodeon TV show. (laughs) At least Uh, uh, the intro when like. uh, Dana Light, whose name I will never fucking learn to pronounce, even though I've read it like three times now at this point. Uh, I crashed hands in the ship. Uh, I know the first name is Elfangor. Serenio Shamtul? Is the, that correct? Yeah, sure is. You got it. Okay. It really reads a bit like a, like a Tolkien. Elf it is, actually. Kind of and you, had, you had mentioned in chat earlier, and I'm mentioning something that the, the, the listeners can't see, but whatever. Uh, 
yerks being playoff on jerks. It's actually I've read from the Elvish word for orc, yerk. <laughs> um, oh, and huh. yeah. So actually, um, uh, Applegate uses a lot of like Tolkien references. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. like I mean, honestly, when I was a kid, I always just saw that spelled out, and I was like, oh, it's yerk, right? Because the yeah. double e. Yeah. Well, but then it was only yesterday when I was reading. It's like, oh, is it supposed to just be a goofy play on jerk? <laughs> yerk? No, yerk. it's it's a Tolkien reference. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Considering all the pop culture references in these first few chapters, that makes sense. Yes. Yes, she loves those. <laughs> yeah. I, I really feel like those are her symbol for... I guess we should do the summarization first before we get into it. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. chat about it as we go, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so for this show, we have elected to each cover chapters in Round Robin. We're starting with six chapters. We'll see how that goes in the future, because they are pretty short. But uh, yeah, so I will go ahead and start us off. So Animorphs, book one, The Invasion, chapter one. They don't have chapter names, so I don't have another dramatic thing to say after that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's a little lackluster compared to us uh, occasionally being like, oh, why is this episode called this? In like terms of like watching like Owl House and she and then being like me being like, oh, it's called an ill wind because it's the the bad mind control <laughs> having wind yeah, powers. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in future episodes, I'll give the chapters I read my own names, <laughs> depending on what I think they should be. Uh, chapter one, Jake tells us a bunch of stuff. Um... <laughs> <laughs> exposition, exposition. Uh, yeah, so these are first-person books, and this book is told from the perspective of Jake, who tells us that that's his name, and he won't tell us his last name because it's too dangerous, because something called controllers are everywhere, just full-on all over the place. And if they... Hmm? God, I just... I, sorry, I just thought chapter one, Jake is weirdly attracted to his cousin as a title. <laughs> 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 God, that I uh, obviously I get you're not supposed to read it like that because it's a kid's book, but like the fact that he was like even signals out he's my cousin, so I don't think about her like that. It's like my guy, you just literally said that she is kind of attractive. It's like this is where we have to characterize all the characters. We got to know that Rachel is pretty but also tough, and yeah. the only person who can tell us that is Jake. Yep. yep, so. yep. Uh, I guess. But I, uh, I, I guess you could have just like held off on that till like whenever the the first Rachel book is, where she can even just think of that. Like, yeah, a lot of people don't think I'm tough because I am. Or something. <laughs> well, they gotta they they gotta do it every book. So every time Jake narrates, get ready for that. Yep. Oh boy. Oh, okay. So so that's gonna basically be the repeat Quidditch uh, um, rules in like the first three fucking Harry Potter yeah. books. Yeah. Every Again, book. I don't mean to keep bringing up the bad boy wizard book written by Turf, but it's kind of just a bad focal point of honestly. Pop some point, yeah. these yeah. chapter ones are just going to get super perfunctory. They'll just, like, tell us the name yeah. of the character and give us a background the on the books, and then we're back into the story. <laughs> I mean, I guess, considering there are 54 books, like, you could, you would have to basically yeah. just assume it could be the random book that, like, the kids, like, grandma picked off the shelf to get them for... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or that the, the, the 12-year-old the the picked out at the Scholastic Book Fair because they like owls and there was an owl on the cover. I'm not sure if there are any <laughs> owls on the covers. But... There are. I think it's book 12. Oh, I'd be... I'd be surprised. <laughs> Fun fact, the first Animorphs book I ever read, I was five years old. <laughs> Fun. Oh, oh, wow. It's I mean, it was the year it came earlier, out. The first... 
Yeah, because like we looked at it, the first book released like literally a few months before Pokemon Red and Blue released in. Oh wait, no, it was a few months before Pokemon Red and Blue released in Japan, not in the U.S. Because it was '96. Yep. Yep. Pokemon released in the U.S. in '98. <laughs> yeah, God, I was I was eight when this series started, and ten when Pokemon released. <laughs> yeah, so this has been a part of my life for uh, literally almost all of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for, see see for me it was mr popper's penguins that's the book i remember reading when i was like five <laughs> not this <laughs> well i guess i was slightly too old for animorphs i think I, was eight. I think we were just a little bit cooler than you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know here first you, folks i am very lame <laughs> did you know that in the in the bottom right corners of the page book there is a little flip book thing that you could <laughs> That you could, oh, is there really? Yeah, that you could like oh. flip past and it would animate a morph, like a non book faithful morphing sequence. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Well, I mean, we, we were reading the, uh, or at least in my case, I was reading the free PDS that were put online <laughs> yeah. a few years ago, so I didn't have that. <laughs> yeah, no. Huh. They are considerably less body of order than they are as they are described in the book, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of nasty stuff coming. So, fair warning up top. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I can see why. Like when we were first talking of like, do we just do four chapters? And then uh, Kate being like, maybe I, I will just read chapter five. And I was like, huh, I wonder why. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey kids, want to learn about four? <laughs> read we'll animals. Don't steal my job. <laughs> I have these chapters. Uh, fair. Um. Oh boy. Okay, yeah, uh, let's see. So Jake tells us he won't tell us where he lives because it's too dangerous, but it's a real place and it might even be where you live, so there. Uh, he's, like, he claims in this first book that he's writing it down as a journal in case someone else finds it and, like, if people need to find the truth, but that's not going to be a consistent vibe. Like, over the course of the books, people just kind of write these down without talking about why at all and definitely say stuff I think mm. that they wouldn't want people to know. <laughs> Yeah, but essentially, we we open on a Friday night where he and his friend Marco were hanging out at a mall, and I always thought that they were at an arcade. But he says here that they were at a store that sells comic books, playing video games. I don't know what this is. I guess where do they say that? Uh, sorry. I was like, I, 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 that's interesting. I want to see where that is. That's the it seventh paragraph like, uh... of this book. <laughs> Sorry, the sixth yeah, paragraph. It might, it might just be, it might just be like a like a fake GameStop or Funko Land. Yeah, kind of I deal. figure like it's like oh, it's the nerd store. Well, that wasn't super a thing in '96, so I figure this is probably a comic book store that has like an SNES or whatever. Uh, but... mm, yeah, I, I got I it. I distinctly remember Fun Funko Land was a thing back then. I know Funko Land ain't really a thing anymore because like GameStop basically just bought them up in EB Games. But I remember Funko Land was a thing when I was like. I'm sorry. Are you saying a thing that is different than Funko Pop? Because that's the only association I know with that word. Yes, yeah, Funko Land. It's basically just what GameStop like started out as, more or less. Okay. Before GameStop just basically bought, like it's it's kind of like how like all EB Games just became GameStop, so, like because they were just basically the same store. Funko Land was the same of like buy and sell used games. Okay. Back during, like, when they still, like, traded in, like, NES and Game Boy games. Okay, so the thing I need you to know now is that these days, Funko Land is, like, an extensive group of Funko Pop collectors and traders and stores. Oh, hate, so that's, that. <laughs> when you said that, that's what I thought you were talking about. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, uh, 
trying to see. Uh, yeah, no, Funko Land, the, the store I'm thinking of, went defunct back in December 2000. Okay, yeah. So it was around back in yeah, 99. all right. <laughs> or 96. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, they were acquired by Barnes & Nobles. Actually, you know what? I'm right, absolutely I'd... wrong. I just postulated that it was a comic book store with an SNES, but in the next paragraph, he says he ran out of quarters. <laughs> Oh right, yeah, because like I guess they were playing like yeah, they must have machine. had an arcade machine at this comic book store. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, with the 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 ne- the Nether Fjord or whatever. <laughs> I, I want to play that game. That sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, one, it's very it's very much one of those like early nineties like make a fucking fake video game name like uh mm-hmm. like Bloodstorm yeah, yeah. or The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that... I almost said Bulletstorm. Bulletstorm's an actual game. <laughs> They have uh, run out of quarters, and so they're leaving. And we get the nod here that Marco has an incredible tactical ability. He can just kind of figure out how games work pretty easily without practicing. But uh, Mm -hmm. then we also hear that Jake tried out for the basketball team today and didn't make it. So uh, probably a good thing there, considering what we're going to see in the future. (laughs) Jake, can I just say this real quick? Jake starts out real lame. Oh, yeah. I gotta say, he's not the most impressive person. You're not impressed by a 12-year-old who didn't make the basketball team? (laughs) I mean, okay, no. If I'm thinking of him as a 12-year-old, then you know what? Yeah, sure. It's just... (laughs) Okay, fine. Perspective. Fair. (laughs) (laughs) He he definitely does read a bit like the most, like, safe of the protagonists to start with as the point of view character. Just like, like, here's the kid that anybody else can relate to. Except for video games, except for feels like he's inadequate compared to his brother. Yeah, except for one notable scene in 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 chapter five that I will talk about. (laughs) Keep going. Jake's pretty upset about not making the team because his older brother Tom was like a hotshot junior high basketball player, which I guess is a thing. Uh, (laughs) But now he's on the high school team, and so like Jake's upset that he's not going to do it. He claims it's not a big deal, but you know. Uh, he's also upset because, like, his brother hasn't been hanging out with him lately. The way high schoolers don't hang out with twelve-year-olds, and he thinks that if he gets on the team, that he'll be able to talk to his brother more. But either way, because <laughs> Tom is Tom is like three years uh, older, right? He's in high school. I don't think we ever know how specifically older he is. Okay, mm. I guess like three or four years at a minimum. Yeah, like... exactly. I, I don't, yeah, I feel like five or more would be a bit too much of, you know, I mean, to be fair, there are, like, age gaps between siblings like that occasionally, but I feel like it's, like, meant to be read, like, three or four years, and it's, like, um, again, like, well, 15, like, 15, it, like, 15 it, or 16-year-old siblings usually uh, don't hang out with their 12-year-old siblings. I would imagine <laughs> that Tom is a freshman in high school, because the way this is written, it seems like he just, like just graduated junior yeah, high, yeah, like, uh, yeah. just left the basketball team, and Jake is trying to replace him. That now. as much yeah. sense as that makes, circumstantial evidence says otherwise. Because Tom is nineteen in the last book, and so that would oh, we should make him sixteen now. It... Yeah. Oh, so, okay. I was about to say mm-hmm. is it a spoiler to say how much time passes between the first and last book, but you kind of just. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I mean, okay. I don't think it really is. It's just like. amount of time isn't very spoilery i'd say but i mean you know you know the series is going to end with the last book at the very least (laughs) 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 yeah i wonder uh why that would be (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Usually things end when the la- when the finale releases. We might have to yes. chat about that a little bit, because as of Visser, Jake is only 13, so I guess a lot happens between Visser and the end. That's a long time period. <laughs> yeah, three years for a kid is a long fucking time. Well, we'll get back. Maybe we'll have a debate about this at the end. I feel I, I feel like there might be some continuity errors involved. That's no, possible, no, yes. No, <laughs> no, no shit. The, the end, as we calculated, like, uh, between two to five years yeah. from now, depending on how many episodes we do. <laughs> Absolutely no shade to KA. Everyone makes mistakes, but... Yep, yep, yep. Uh, uh, Yeah, so they, uh, Jake and Marco head out because they're out of money. Uh, This is when they bump into Tobias, who is a kid at their school who gets bullied. Um, Essentially, Jake saved him from getting swirlied a while back, and ever since they've been friends. He has no other personality at this point. (laughs) At this point, though, probably the most relatable to Animorphs readers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just in terms of the bullying. I, I never got really or anything in school, but, like, yeah, it's, like, still very much like, yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> you feel the most with the bias. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, Jake was always my guy, for reasons we'll see later in this book, but also because it just made sense to me. I don't know. I, I never really got bullied, so I guess I was the boring one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so Marco talks about this game that Jake is bad at, and he's essentially showing off in front of Tobias, and then they bump into Rachel and Cassie. Uh, yeah, I guess everyone just hangs out at the mall because it's the 90s, and they have nothing better to do, and no one supervises their 12-year-olds, so... <laughs> um <laughs> It, yeah. Also, also yeah. that's a big of that is that's a bit of a weird thing where it's like again, it's a bunch of twelve-year-olds just with no parents around, just being allowed to go to the mall and then walking home through an area that people say don't go in because that's where you yep. get murdered. This was <laughs> this like, was the age of the latchkey kid. No one paid attention to their kids, and <laughs> you know what? Yeah, we see <laughs> where they that were leads. Better for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Rachel is Jake's cousin, uh, who is pretty, uh, she's blonde, she's a gymnast, uh, blah blah blah, she's too tall to be good at gymnastics, which is a really rude thing to say, Jake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we get Cassie, who is more of a down-home farm girl, she's always jeans and plaid, and she is the only black character in our main team, so there you go, we got, yeah, a little bit of, it's not just white people. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Jake? Compared to the pictures you showed me earlier of, like, over time, they definitely seem like they have lighter skin. <laughs> yeah. That, to be f- that happens to- a lot in media. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. She yeah, is fair. very much a black person, but as time goes on, she will be portrayed with lighter and lighter skin, because colorism tells us that lighter-skinned black people are more attractive, and it's terrible. <laughs> to be fair, K.A. Applegate never actually, I don't think, describes her as having... Like describes no, her skin tone. Definitely not. Uh-huh. But I'm just like over the course of yeah, the like, TV show just, and the action figures and the, the all the promotional art, she gets just lighter and lighter over time. The book covers are the only the place she like, doesn't change, and that's because they use the same uh, model for all of those. Oh, is <laughs> <laughs> it literally just like the same picture, stock picture of the kid, just repeated over and no, over no. again? With she, just different like, she things? was the only one of the original models who sticks through the alt the entire series. They take new pictures oh, of her all the yeah. time. All of the other models get replaced, hmm. except for a uh, spoiler character who is literally just a cardboard cutout. <laughs> and we're, of course, uh, talking about the um, 
weird ass photo manipulation cover art. Incredible that cover art on every <laughs> single book. Yeah, the the thing that everybody knows about Adam yeah, just more like than anything really designed to embarrass you as a twelve year old when you're reading it in front of other people and they're like, "What the." hell are you reading i have no idea what you're talking about those covers are why i picked up one of those books at five years old (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah they have their positives and negatives uh jake kind of straight up says here that he's got a crush on cassie but that really isn't going to be realized for a long time so there you go uh and then spoilers (laughs) <laughs> it has to be earned first. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Jake offers to walk Rachel and Cassie home because they shouldn't go through the construction site because they are girls. It's the 90s. Uh, Rachel, of course, gets very mad about this and tries to beat Jake up a little bit, but Cassie says, no, actually, I want them to do that. So they're, they're, they're all together now. We've, we've formed our group. Um, yeah. Uh, so the five of them are just going to go walk through this abandoned construction site. It's the 90s. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, essentially there's two ways to get back from the mall. They can go the safe way or they can go this uh, haunted evil murder way. And they go the haunted evil murder way. <laughs> well, it's, it's like because specifically because it's quicker. It's like the... It's not, just because, yeah. it's not just because they're willing to roll the dice on their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh... yeah, I think that's 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 fair. Uh, kids are very um, immediate, like instant gratification oriented. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kids don't think they can ever yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward two chapters. What? <laughs> 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 yeah, we got some background on this construction site, but I'm not going to go through all that because it doesn't matter. But uh, basically, Jake and Marco come here during the day sometimes, and they know for a fact that people camp here at night because there's campfires and liquor bottles all over the place. So, yeah. And then Tobias sees something in the sky, and he just kind of gets, like, I want to say almost hypnotized. He's not panicking, but there's just this... And can I just, hmm? can I just say, without spoilers or anything like that, of course it would be Tobias. I mean, yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, like, even knowing, like, just the bare minimum about these kids, it's like, Tobias always kind of just, like, I always kind of heard that Tobias was the one who was, like, a little bit more in touch with the weirdness factor of anything. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> you have yeah, no yeah, idea. I, I, I mean, considering that, like, there's a bit later on that I'll get to in, like, my descriptor at one of the chapters it's like there's definitely something that seems a little bit more going on with the bias in general <laughs> yeah that's 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 an accurate portrayal but yeah uh, so this blue white light thing that's going across the sky slows down over the construction site and uh it is a flying saucer end of chapter <laughs> uh chapter two uh the flying saucer um <laughs> if i have to name these it's gonna take a lot longer <laughs> I am not that good at improv. Is that gonna, is that, is that gonna be our bit instead of like trivia or like the very short-lived Shira transformation <laughs> that I dropped when it only happened like in the first few uh, episodes and then very inter- interspersed when they needed to fill twenty seconds? I'm not gonna improvise that. I'm gonna think of them beforehand, at least after this episode. Yeah, that's probably what we're gonna do for the future if we're gonna keep doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. In the next chapter, the flying saucer stops directly over the construction site, and it's not a saucer, it's 
I'm gonna try and describe this to you the way the book does, but it's wild. So, like, the, the front of the ship, the command bridge, is, like, egg-shaped, and then there's a long tube sticking out the back of it that's narrow. It's not as wide as the egg. And this tube has two wings, and each of these two wings has a tube on that, kind of like a, a plane's engine. And then, like in a cell. Yeah, yeah. And then on the back of it, it's just got a long tail with a slicey blade thing. <laughs> so there's. It's 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 a winged sperm, is what I thought. <laughs> Honestly, kind of. That's what it's described as. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's we just a goofy sounding yeah. ship. That's all. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, we don't know if Andalite sperm have the same anatomy as human sperm. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they could have they could have weird wing blades <laughs> in the jism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so Marco asks if maybe they should just take a video of this thing because they could get a lot of money for selling a movie of it, which is true because in the nineties there wouldn't be a convincing way to fake this. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it also really dates it by the fact that they're like, let's run home and get on yeah. Like, yeah, right. Kids don't have cell phones mm-hmm. yet. Nope, they definitely don't. Take, take, out, take out your Game Boy and your Game Boy camera, kids kiddo. kids cell phones, that... so much of the series would be resolved without a problem. Actually, yeah. I don't... Well, I don't know, because... Well, we'll talk about that later. I'll make a note of that. I'll bring that up in a future chapter. Yeah, okay. Anyway. But yeah, Jake says that we shouldn't do that, because if they run, then they might get shot with the alien phasers. So, there you go. First Star Trek reference. Um, and then, as the ship is descending, all of the kids' hair just starts standing on end, for some reason. Uh, I guess it's an anti-gravity thing, but there you go. Um, and could also be static electricity from, like, the, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it could be, like, built-up static from entering the atmosphere. Um, so at this point, the kids are starting to panic, except for Tobias, who is just super into this. He loves aliens, I guess. And it uh, just kind of drops. At this point, we get... When it hits the ground, we get the description that this thing is, quote, about three or four times as big as our minivan. <laughs> Which, I don't know, that... Something about it being a minivan is just very nineties to me. <laughs> it's 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 also very authentic to how I think a middle schooler would describe something. Yeah, exactly. I mean they're gonna use yeah. like a familiar object. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, um Marco sort of says that they should call the cops, so right off the bat he's my least favorite. But <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> But he does think that they'd be famous if they called the cops because they discovered this, so they'd get to be on Letterman. Uh, not super sure how that works out, but alright. And Jake does agree that they should call someone, but they just don't. They just keep standing there. And uh, then Rachel, of all people, comes up with the idea to talk to it. This is not who I would have guessed should want to talk to it. <laughs> yeah, I would have guessed Cassie or yeah. Tobias more than anybody. Yeah, um, so Tobias does make first contact. He asks them to come out and says that they won't. the kids won't hurt the aliens. And there's a brief discussion about whether they speak English before they hear someone talking in their mind, which kind of freaks them the heck out. But they're in this weird kind of semi-hypnotized state where they can't panic even though they're scared. So I don't know what's up with that. Uh, the, the the spaceship opens, and then it, it's like a 
it's a circular door, so it's not full Star Trek, just like a, a panel opening smoothly in the side of the ship. And then we get our first alien of the series. Chapter two, first alien. Let's hit the road running. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this is an Kids have... Andalite. <laughs> Kids have no attention span. We have to hit this early. Sorry? Kids have no attention span. We have to hit this early. That's true. Yeah, it, it's like, uh, I mean, again, sorry to think about the Bad Boy Wizard series, but it's like, it takes like th- three chapters, right? To get like... I guess it's the fourth one when you learn Harry's a wizard, even though it's, like, pretty fucking obvious. Not only because of the book series, but also with Hagrid just showing up, finally. <laughs> it's like, that's that's a lot of chapters to make a kid go through. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Do you think that this would have happened this fast if Applegate knew that she was going to get 62 books? <laughs> uh, probably not. Maybe she would have had more time to, like, actually, like, flesh out the kids as people, as opposed to just, yeah, I'm Jake. I'm a I'm, broad I'm stereotype of a child guy. in the 90s. Yeah, and this is my hot cousin. <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, when I think of Jake right now, the image I'm getting is just John Connor from Terminator 2. Yeah, so our alien here is an Andalite. He's... They're kind of like centaurs in a way, except with a deer body instead of a horse. Yeah, I... I... I really did also think just blue yeah, they're centaur. blue fur all over, even on the human half. Um, six fingers on each hand, uh, no mouth, and two horns on the top of the head with extra eyes on them, and of course the horrifically powerful scorpion tail that can murder you in an instant. It's yeah, but they do have like three lines where a mouth would be. So it's like they have at least those something kind of like a mouth, but not like a mouth. mouth. Those are their nostrils, I'm pretty sure. They sure are. <laughs> oh. Then how do, how do Andalites uh, Oh, you'll find out. It's real fun. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about that later, uh, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming something horrific, considering uh, what we see a few it's chapters It's definitely later. biologically like ab- questionable. <laughs> yeah, only like an abstract sense, and also, it, like, it's it's logistically horrific. Not really horrific <laughs> in the other way. This ends up being a Kojima level they breathe through their skin. I'm going to be annoyed. <laughs> uh, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's described as kind of looking harmless until you see the tail with the blade. So there you go. And Tobias, again, is the one to start talking to it. The alien seems pretty chill at first. Uh, he's just talking as if it's an absolutely normal day that nothing weird is happening. And uh, then he collapses, because it turns out he's been shot. <laughs> well, I guess he's in shock at this point. That's probably why he's being so normal. <laughs> yeah. But... I also do have to ask real quick, how do they immediately know that the Sandalite is male? Because, like, when I was writing my notes, I kept defaulting to they, them, referring to him. And it's like, I get that, like, they later on confirmed that he is, like, the prince and everything. But it's, like, it's still a case of, like, how do these kids immediately know boy alien from girl alien or non-gendered alien (laughs) i mean i would guess that the voice in their heads probably has something to do with it but oh okay i i I feel like if if elfengor can like as as he will do later sort of emit an aura of courage (laughs) uh Mm -hmm. that i imagine that he might be able to be like hey by yeah, the way, I'm a dude, like, like subconsciously, <laughs> like, layer that under there. Uh, okay. 
Yeah, I I guess it's I guess for some reason when I was thinking of like the uh, the Sonic uh, voice in their heads, I was thinking of how Mewtwo talks in Detective Pikachu, where it's just like a male and female voice superimposed <laughs> over each other for some reason. Um, but obviously like that's that's Mewtwo like basically just sonically talking as opposed to emitting the voice in yeah. his heads. It's really just like Mewtwo's just speaking without moving its mouth and that. I'm also not sure that Prince is a gender specific. No, title it's it's in, a rank, not a title. And in, like, <laughs> okay, fair. I mean, they they call him Prince Elfangor later, so I was like yeah. thinking, okay, maybe they just mean like straight up like m- like <laughs> assigned male at birth, space science, or Prince means something different to Andalite, but we'll get into that. Yeah, we we absolutely. That's gonna be our, ca- gonna be our catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there in like four months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, also, just from my like, I know it's the '90s, but I'm fairly sure there's no discussion of gender divergence in Andalites, so I don't know how. Uh, societal that is, or if it's just the 90s, but... <laughs> uh, sounds like a better society. Please take me to your planet. Uh, no. <laughs> There's yeah? no gender divergence in Andalites. They don't have trans people. <laughs> oh, bummer. I thought you meant I thought you meant that like all the Andalites actually defer, defer, default to each other as they, them, and it's only humans and no. other stuff. I don't know when, when we have like bummer. a canon explanation of that i feel like what with the morphing technology yeah you would think it should be pretty fucking easy to transition yeah yeah actually <laughs> why would endolites not just be like we are like a like non-gender species in general and like some of us can choose if we want to present as more mask or femme as long as you don't want to like keep morphing yeah well, which I mean... to be fair most yeah, get... most andalites don't there... that's like military Does... technology okay. i I don't mean to keep getting distracted here, but, like, is there, like, a cooldown on morphing? Could you, like, basically just morph for, like, an hour and 59 minutes, cancel out, and then go back and have another yeah, hour absolutely, yeah. minutes? Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. If you are confident okay. in your ability yeah, so you... to count an hour and 59 minutes and not be off by a minute, then yes. <laughs> and Andalites yeah, all have perfectly all... accurate internal clocks, so... Yeah, just just carrying around your phone on you at all times and making sure that an alarm is set for every hour, fifty nine minutes. This so way, you're like, oh shit, hang on a sec, guys, I got, I need a half minute. <laughs> all right, I'm good. Maybe set it for like an hour fifty five, so you have time to get somewhere private. Yeah, yeah, rather than having only sixty <laughs> seconds. <laughs> right, um, yeah. So, uh, this alien is has has a serious burn all over his right side. I I said he was shot earlier, but I guess they don't. We don't even really know that. Maybe his just console exploded. But Cassie being a fat and... But he, he, lands, he lands the ship safely. How, the, how would the console have exploded to scorch him on that? <laughs> got, got shot with a straight, with like a space Dracon beam. It, you know, <laughs> space fights. Yeah. But when did that hit the ship? Before, yeah, absolutely. Before him? The ship, the ship is fine. The ship is not described as being you fucked ever, up. You ever see Star Trek where <laughs> they're getting shot by, no, by Klingons and then the, the the console explodes and then some unnamed ensign just kind of goes down because a console explodes. Oh, uh, yeah. Like... Uh, Rip, Rip Presley at the start of Mass Effect 2. I know that. <laughs> Fair. Okay. This tracks. Uh, also, I say Rip Presley. Also, fuck Presley. He was space racist in the first Mass Effect. <laughs> uh... 
But, that, I mean, that was Presley's arc, though. The more aliens he brought onto the ship, the less racist he got, because he had aliens in his life and he knew they were okay. I, I, don't, I don't remember him saying that in Mass Effect 1. I remember in the in the Normandy Crash Side DLC for 2 that you find, like, a notepad from him being like, Shepard taking all these uh, different species helped me get over my space <laughs> racism. And I feel like that's retroactive, trying to make Presley not, not that bad. <laughs> we can, we can similar, say... Similar to what they did with Ashley in the two sequels as well, because she was also space racist. I think, I think we can be graceful enough to say, fuck that guy, and then also um, rest in peace at the same time, you know? Yeah. Fair, yeah. Just like uh, fuck Ashley Williams, but also a rip because I always send her to set off the nuke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I never put Kane in the party past yeah, the intro. I, mean... I never used him in Mass Effect Three, but I preferred Kane not being space racist to Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, we're these space religious. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see a lot of that. Don't worry. Um, Oh, yay. Yeah, so <laughs> cool. Cassie, being a veterinarian in training, decides that she's going to become a doctor for aliens. So, and she immediately demands that Jake take his shirt off so they can rip it up and turn it into bandages. Uh. <laughs> it's, it, this, this scene of getting, like, just made me really think of, like, Owl House, where if it's like, would doctors know how to help Grimwalkers? And it's like, your, your kids are not even stopping to think about the fact that you'd be calling an ambulance for a literal space centaur. <laughs> <laughs> Having doctors be like, help him, and it's like, what the fuck, kids? This is, this is like, you know, very, I think, typical of the kids early on in the series where they are as you would be as a um 12 to 13 year old whatever uh hopelessly naive (laughs) yeah like oh doctors will be able to know alien biology immediately to save this man's life listen adults solve everything (laughs) that is that is what they're thinking right now and even like like, i I got some i got some bad news for you kids yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's a lot uh, the alien basically says, nah, don't bother trying to save me. I'm super gonna die. This is a fatal wound. And Jake is very upset about this. He He's just freaked out that the first alien to ever come to Earth is just gonna die right there in front of them. Possibly because he's a 12-year-old and hasn't seen anyone die before. Um, but uh, th- And also that this, a fair this alien is literally in telepathic contact with him. Yeah. But, well... You mentioned before that in a few minutes he's going to do this, like, aura of courage thing, and I kind of wonder if maybe that's why the kids are so, like, in a state. Maybe he's sort of unconsciously radiating an aura of, oh no, I'm dying. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Or or at the very least, like, there's a, there's a certain connection there that goes deeper than words, and um, the the kids just, like, are processing that in this way. Yeah, that could be. You know? I find you're just always sending them a psionic message every few seconds of (laughs) (laughs) I'm hurt real bad. (laughs) Don't worry, kids. I still got like another 10 minutes in me for you to take care of this other stuff. My sweetly spook. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, this is where he reveals that he's not the first alien to come to Earth because there are many, many, many others and they are not the same species as him. Uh, this is the first time that he seems to react to his wound as he, quote, cries out in pain, a silent sound that echoed horribly in my mind. For a moment, I felt him dying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh, yeah. 
totally normal. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe stop the sound like broadcast during that. Right? <laughs> I don't think I, it might be involuntary. Yeah, I mean that's just how they talk. Yeah, so probably. there might not be mm-hmm. like it's it's hard for a human to stop himself from screaming when they're in pain. Yeah, he's you know? not he's not he's not will he's not willingly casting the uh, the message cantrip here. It's just something that's always on. This is me with my biology background thinking about what I know about how and lights evolve that it would make sense that they wouldn't be able to. But then that's I think that's a bit too nerdy <laughs> even for this. Listen, that's so... what we're all about here. <laughs> all right, Andalites evolved as a prey species, so it would make sense that they would like have some sort of psychic distress call they could they could like send out involuntarily because you know when we scream, it's not like it's something we really choose to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. But but our whole stick is uh, over examining uh, media design. Yep. <laughs> we think so. about stuff way too that's much. Yeah. 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 Um, this is my. Like, I'm just going to finish this real quick. Uh, he reveals that all of these other aliens that are not like him uh, have come to destroy humanity. And that's the end of my chapter. <laughs> okay. <Hey. laughs> yeah, yeah, if there's nothing else, then I'll just keep going <laughs> on, I guess. Uh, in chapter three, which I guess I'll just call The Enemy, I no, guess. that's one of the book titles. You can uh, call it that. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. How about... Uh, the year. Yeah, there I don't you think go. That okay. Would be a chapter, <laughs> a, a book okay. Uh, the alien tells the kid that the enemy are called the Yurks, which we've again already debated on pronunciation, but I think we just all agree it's <laughs> Yurk. Uh, and goes on to say that there are hundreds and not more of them ready on Earth. He shows them a mental picture of what Jake describes as a rat-sized snailless shell, uh, uh, shellless <laughs> snail, sorry, which burrows into the brain somehow. Which I have real questions about the physics of something the size of a rat entering a person's uh, brain. They're squishy. Or skull in general. Yeah. Like... <laughs> They're squishy. I mean, I guess it's supposed it's, it's to ooze in, I guess, but it's still the size of a rat. It is, but we'll also talk out. later. Like, we get some explicit descriptions of it happening, and it kind of describes the Yerks flattening oh, cool. themselves to sheets of paper thickness so they can squeeze between the cracks in your brain. There is somehow that's... No way this they... Sounds more... Sorry, go on. Yeah, this this somehow sounds more horrifying than Skip uh, taking over uh, Captain Norm Takamori in <laughs> Defense of 20 Star Star That's just immediate. That's not, like, prolonged. There, there, I don't think there's really, really any way they could do it in real life without puncturing both the meninges and <laughs> the, the eardrum. Uh, and also yeah, some bones. They also, but... Yeah, because they, they describe it as, like, uh, they get absorbed into the brain. So it's like, they still have to be, like making, like, physical contact with the brain before being absorbed in, which means that you still have a rat-sized goop, even if it's stretched out, like, also taking up more space in the skull. <laughs> Listen, if you think yeah. about this too much, it will fall apart. <laughs> that's fine. It just fills all the that's cracks a, in your again, brain. Again, that's so what we do. It becomes perfectly smooth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's really for your benefit, there, really. Just you understand that. there's fluid in there, right? It takes up space. No, we don't, don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> you got flu- you got fluid in the form of a uh, uh, shell of snail in there. They just uh, they drink up the the goop and then replace it with their goop. <laughs> okay. Oh uh, yeah, horrifying. Uh, but yeah, uh, he goes on to explain that the Yurks don't have physical bodies of their own. Instead, basically just body jack various species across the galaxy. And while controlling others, they probably just call them controllers. I creative. I take issue with that. They do have physical bodies. They just suck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like, I, I guess it's like really just like, you only would call them a yerk if they're just the little, like, goopy, useless bullshit thing. That, but well, it's they're like, still a yerk if they're, but they're controlling still yerks someone. overall. Yeah, 
yeah, just a European in a brain. That it, yeah, they just specify, I guess, really, that it's like, oh, it's a yerk in a person, which is why well, they're sure, terminology is important. That's how you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Which is weird, because, well, I always thought, in the future, they use the terminology controller for the body, the host. Mm -hmm. um, which is weird, because that's not who's doing the controlling. Yeah, that's not the, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's not the person in charge is what they're doing. That's a control. Still the brain slug. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah, just weird, I guess, that it changes over time. <laughs> but also, it's like, they could have come up with, like, a little, like, a... They could have had a little bit of a better descriptor than just, oh, the yerk that controls a person is called a controller. I mean, what would you want them to call like, them? Like a I don't, yerk? I don't, I don't know, director <laughs> or something? Because they're directing Die. them? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, Jake tries to say that they're just kids and therefore the last people who should be told this, which is fair. <laughs> they're 12. But the inlay just presses on saying that the Yurks destroyed their... Uh, again, I said there, it's his dome ship. Well he, well, he describes it as our dome ship, but they only they also only say he's the only uh, Andalite in this sector later on. I guess maybe the only last one's still alive. Um, probably, yeah, the only one's still alive. Yeah, ship so the dome ships dome ship. are like the big fighter craft. They're like Star Destroyer things. And gotcha. he's just the yeah. only survivor is all. <laughs> okay. So then, based on that, is his sperm ship supposed to basically be their fighter? Yeah, that's the X-wing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's the okay, and and the and the the bug fighters are yep. the die fighters. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, uh, and they uh, chase him here in the bug fighters, which I gotta say it's weird that they only capitalize bug <laughs> fighter. I capitalize fighter in my notes just because it, you know, I, I guess I'm also thinking of TIE Fighters. Well, they also like, only capitalize also like, dome and not ship, so. Yeah, and also the same with blade ship, because he also mentions that they also have a blade ship, which isn't fully described at the moment, but when we see it later on, it looks like it's just a fucking space battle. <laughs> my my headcanon is that the bug fighters were designed for their, were named for their designer, uh, Bug three four seven, who was, I don't know, uh, the Warhammer principal. Was... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why it's capitalized is the name. And, and 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 the blade ship is named after the Lord of Blades, who just exists out in space. Not <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know that. It, it's kind of funny how it's like we described like oh yeah the other ship is like sperm and these are just bugs but the blade ship is, uh, idea is kind of actually a bit sick just the space <laughs> battle axe flying around uh but yeah uh he then says that they're gonna be here soon to disintegrate himself and his ship just to leave no trace uh but he managed to send a message to his own world and uh you know they might be here in like a year or more or maybe not who knows <laughs> Uh, and then he just basically tells them to go ahead and just tell everybody that they know about the danger they face, even though I feel like that's also a very, uh, easy way for you to me to get blasted in the face by people controlled by... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I think he assumes, like, do this intelligently, don't just <laughs> make sure they're trustworthy then first, he's, he's, which is much he's, easier said Yeah, I get that, I get... I get that he's dying, but he is still talking to 12-year-olds. They ain't gonna do this intelligently. If uh, well, I mean, they're gonna do it more intelligently than you'd expect. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that, I mean, hey, I've been thinking this whole long. How is it that, like, kids turning into, like, snakes and stuff could fight an alien species? But I guess I'll find out that day. <laughs> with, with guerrilla warfare. <laughs> uh, boo. 
if if we were gonna name each of these episodes rather than just like naming it after the book and the chapters, I feel like it would have to be more than worth it. <laughs> Is, that will so, be a chapter name at some point. Yeah, there are way more appropriate chapters for that name. So unless we're just gonna call like every fourth chapter Gorilla Warfare, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Uh, yeah, where was I? Uh, yeah. Uh, after he tells him this, uh, Dick just thinks that without proof of the light or his ship, everyone will just assume that they're insane or high on as hell, yeah. which is fair. <laughs> it's very funny for a kid's book to just address like they're all gonna think we're on drugs guys well that was a big deal in the 90s i mean that's that's the height uh, of the yeah dare i guess yeah that was yeah 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 that's it's true yeah i remember the dare program i remember most of the dare jingle still even though it's like the dare program really did not do anything it, to stop kids from doing drugs if anything it had the opposite effect yeah it made more kids aware of drugs <laughs> like oh you can have paint to get high Go and cool and made kids <laughs> want the drugs desperately during the performances to deal with them. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Did, did their program still look uh, No, I think it got shut it's down a while right? ago. No, they... No, I, gotta, I gotta see. These days there's much less heavy-handed things they do. I'd imagine, because I remember the D.A.R.E. program video showing that if you get high, you're going to climb a train that's parked, and another train's going to hit it and crush you well, to death. No, they've gotten a lot better at that kind of thing. Apparently, D.A.R.E. Canada is still up and running, so... Yeah, it seems like there's still some D.A.R.E. programs going around. They do yeah. acknowledge that the old D.A.R.E. program was a colossal mistake. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they just kind of toned it yeah. down. Yeah, instead of a program based on lectures, media, hysteria, politics, and profits, the new D.A.R.E. program has based its curriculum on science and peer interaction. So at least there's that. Yeah, Probably they... still not accomplishing much, but at least they made it better than it used to be. <laughs> yeah. If you do a single drug, you will die. The, the, the shift yes. has gone more from, like, scaring kids out of doing drugs, thinking they'll, like, just die immediately, to just kind of empowering kids to say no. Yeah. Which is, like, you know what, good. Oh, uh, no. Great. Yeah. Now I'm wondering how many kids grew up with the D.A.R.E. program who became cops that terrified the Fenintil, thinking they'll murder you. I'm just looking at this piece on their Wikipedia page. D.A.R.E. has failed to fact-check some of the articles on their website, promoting one news piece that was satire titled Edible Marijuana Candies Kill 9 in Colorado and 12 at Coachella. <laughs> Jesus. It wouldn't surprise me, based on what I remember the D.A.R.E. program from the 90s. Reef madness, reef madness. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, this chapter's almost done. Uh, the Andalite then gets the idea of sharing the morphing power with the kids to help them survive longer, and has Jake retrieve a cube from this ship. And while on the ship, Jake realizes the Andalite has a family back home, because he sees just straight up a family picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, he, like, you know, like fighter pilots keep in their jets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, uh, Elfanger just has, like, the whole, like, st uh, like pocket watch that you open up, and it has a picture of their wife on, <laughs> on the inside. I imagined it, like, in just uh, a comical, like, ordinary picture frame. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. like, sitting on the panel. I kind of wish we got more about uh, his kids, but I guess not. <laughs> Oh, do we never hear anything? I'm not going to say for sure, but at this point, yeah, we definitely don't Fair. know anything. He doesn't mention the fact that he has kids. He doesn't say, tell my kids I love them, just... Yeah, I guess they don't I guess they don't even specify, like, the gender of uh, his nope. partner in the picture either. 
Let let El Sangor be gay, please. <laughs> That's my hope at the moment. Uh, but yes. Uh, but during this all, Marco just keeps saying that this is all insane and fully gets called out for not being the most accepting person. So definitely not the first guy you'd want to come out to. Uh, but they all know there's more lights in the sky. Where Sandlight says, "Are the Yorks? They're here." Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and then we just go immediately into chapter four, which uh, I don't. Uh, I guess I'm just gonna call great power. <laughs> Because there's a great responsibility with this. Uh, the Analyte pushes them to accept the, the morphing power immediately, as they're just out of time. And while most of them are already on board, Marco continues to just be a bit of an ass, but Jake agrees to it since he feels bad about uh, his, the Analyte's family, not knowing what <laughs> happened to him. And they all eventually just put their hands on the cube, and the Analyte activates it and gives them the morphing powers onto them. And he immediately tells them all to flee so the Yerks don't catch them too. And as they run away, he does warn them all not to stay in animal form for more than two hours, because they'd be stuck in an animal if they do. And then he only realizes, and then he realizes that the only Yurk who can morph, which I think we agreed upon is Bernard's mm-hmm. Visser 3, not Visser 3, has come along aboard the blade ship to finish well, him up. If I may, before you get too far, there is something I want to comment on. So when they use the okay. Escafil device, they, have, they each put their hands on a side of the box, and then he puts his hand on a side, right? Except the box is only four inches square, so... <laughs> yeah. I did, I did also... Like, I didn't realize it was that small, but also the, the logistics of six people putting their hands on a different size of a uh, box is also just awkward anyway. Because, like, one person has to be holding the yeah. bottom, right? Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it describes, like, uh, Elfanger putting his hand on the top. <laughs> I... I'm going to, like, imagine that it can expand into <laughs> If it doesn't, Marco's definitely the one on the bottom. Just, there will be you know, on the for, slides. <laughs> for whatever, like, needs the plot. Sorry. I'm really curious to, like, try to actually watch this scene in the TV show to see how big the cube is. Just out of curiosity. <laughs> if I remember correctly, it is significantly bigger in the TV show. I, I would have it to would imagine have to this be. because for the practicality of having yeah. five kids touch it, and also a puppet. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, anyway, the kids ask how they can never actually hope to defeat the controller Yerks, which I, I don't know why it's specified controller Yerks, it's just Yerks in general. But then they do finally run off, though Tobias stays a little bit longer, having a reassuring moment with the Andalite before joining them, and it describes Tobias seeming like he got a little bit of a shock when uh, Elfanger puts his hand on his head. <laughs> Or his face. So, again, hmm. I feel like there's something more going on here that you're not really sure about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I- I'm assuming I'm on the right track here, but also... <laughs> assuming this is something that's going to be revealed maybe in, like, book 48 no, or something. No, it's just weird. Just say it? it just feels weird because this animal, I just put his hands on his head. Like, that's not a thing you do. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I, I read it more like, you know, like the whole, like, I'm dying, so you put, like, the like the hand on your cheek to, like, up and to reassure kind of deal of, like, it's fine like, <laughs> kind of deal. As opposed to just, like, slapping him on I the I guess forehead. that makes sense, but it just says, put his hand against Tobias's head, so. <laughs> uh-huh. I, unless unless he's, like, imparting some secret knowledge onto Tobias of all people. <laughs> but I, I definitely read it more as in, like, hey, kid, it's all right. I know it might, I'm fucked. Just get out of here yeah, and save probably. yourself. Yeah kind of deal uh but yes the ships all land and the kids see what they described as like walking weapon like a uh, species called the hork bajir or bajir uh, bajir yeah bajir yeah 
this year. Yeah. So it's like they, they basically just read as like basically just a fucking like weird ass amalgamation, like basically like uh, a Superman, like uh, praying mantis, I guess, is how I would think about it, where they just have swords everywhere, basically. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, Elfangor is, is expositing the whole time. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, every... yeah that, that's how they're. Yeah, everything that like goes on, like he, uh, he's sending them a static message of like, that's who they are. Say, bravely, like... bravely, <laughs> bravely expositing to the very end. <laughs> Yeah. I'm hurt real bad, kids, but don't worry, I still got, like, another two minutes in me. <laughs> I can explain stuff to you. These guys, in all the, like, promotional art and book art and all, they really don't look the way I imagined them, based on the descriptions. Yeah, no, so. that, that's just, that's a lo- that's a bird of, like, just a long neck. <laughs> <laughs> and arm boys. Yeah. I mean, they do say that they have, like, T-Rex legs, but yeah. it's like, I also don't see how T-Rex legs would support they something do, like that. They do, but, yeah. uh, th- so the thing that really got me is that in the books, they're described as having snake-like heads, but it never says anything about their necks, so I always just kind of imagine them being a lot more compact yeah. than they are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know, I guess I read that wrong, where I, I immediately thought of, like, just, like, long snake neck, but the face <laughs> was different. Like, I yeah, I, I mean... that's how I read it. They they do mention them having long necks later, but, yeah. um, at least in later books. That that is like their canon appearance, and we're we're looking at. I think, what, what is this picture from? Which book is this from? The Horkbajir Chronicles? Uh, no, that's the one where they go to the Horkbajir planet. Okay, um, but yeah, it's um, I know they're really cool species, and we get the 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 nod from Elfangor that they are a peaceful people, uh, that are just you know infested by Europe's. Um, yeah, yeah, he basically just straight up uh, calls them slaves later on. However, the taxons he straight up calls evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really does. Like, I guess I read that as, like, they willingly join the Yerks, and we're like, yes, brains like us, please. Let us do good war crimes, I guess. I don't want to spoiler, they did. It sucks to be a taxon, like, majorly. Okay, So. gotcha. Yeah, like, I guess we'll get there at some point. Yeah. This one, my mental image was pretty oh, yeah. on point for. It's hard to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, yeah, just just a big like centipede worm thing. Yes, with lobster claws. Beer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the chapter basically just ends with one of the Horkbajir coming close to their hiding place, and then just goes right into the next one. Okay, and that's chapter five, which is my turn, I believe. Right. Yep. yep. Okay. So, uh, get ahead to it. <laughs> so we have um, Elfangor bravely continue to exposit. Um, Horkbajir do not see well in darkness, but their hearing is very good, that kind of thing. It's all information that's useful to the kids, but it feels a little bit to us as the audience. Mm-hmm. Like, he's trying to get as much, just, like, information we need to know out before he dies. <laughs> yeah. um, Talking is a free action. Well, it's also, Talking like, is a free action. he did just set up his little gorilla cell of rebels on this planet, so telling them this is super useful to their... Like, if they know hork can't see in the dark, that's a really important thing when you're planning a raid, right? Yeah. Um, hork takes a step toward them, which I was picturing them as being much further away, so it was kind of weird. Like, oh, now they're suddenly on top of them? Um, but, yeah, so this causes a panic, and then, um... Almost causes a panic. We get the the bardic inspiration from Elfango, because Elfango <laughs> is, like, our own courage. Um... And that uh, okay, so yeah, he's he's at least a level six 
Aspen Paladin because he has the aura in general, but he also can yeah. Give well, I think it's got to be. Yeah, I think he's got to be at least level eighteen because they're more than ten feet away from him. <laughs> he's, oh, true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's a he's he's a powerful customer. Um, we get we see our first description of Visser Three, and I do love the way Visser Three is described because he's graceful. He's he's um you know got the sort of gentle and like look but there is an aura underneath that sort of like thought speech psychic emanation coming off of him that's just wrong it's just like monstrous <laughs> um uh however we will learn pretty quickly that Visser 3 while uh powerful and arrogant is also an idiot <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, he really likes to just, like, do the stupidest shit possible. Yeah. Just, I'm gonna monologue for so, a long time. So basically, Captain Ego <laughs> just kind of thought shouts indiscriminately into the <laughs> construction site, not giving a shit who could possibly hear the goddamn aliens that have landed well, in the middle of a suburb. I do want to point out real quick, like, you're talking about how graceful and blithe Visser 3 is described as at this yeah. point, but that's not going to be true forever, because by the cover of Visser, he is just ripped. Look at this guy. <laughs> I, I, I feel like, um, I mean, you know, the, the illustrations don't always match the book descriptions, <laughs> and I tend to go off the book descriptions when I'm picturing these things. I guess that's fair. I think it's a lot more powerful um, if, if Visser 3 looks much like an... Because they, they, they never describe Andalites as being buff. Like, never. They have weak <laughs> arms. They have arms that are weaker than humans. They have six dexterous but weak fingers. The only thing really imposing about them is their tails, um, which Visser 3 uses to great effect often in the series. Um, his tail is but, also, I think, different because normally it's described as kind of like a scorpion tail, but his is just more like a scythe on the end of a whip. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, it's it's a finesse weapon nonetheless, so they're just high dex, low strength. Um, so he just kind of thought shouts indiscriminately in, in the middle of a suburb, which is kind of foolhardy of him, but he's arrogant enough that I imagine, you know, that's gonna. <laughs> That's fine. Be something that he'd do. Yeah. Um, Mr. 3 negs Elfengor for a bit, gloating, sort of. Uh, congratulating him on his, on his victory, like on his, uh, not victory, but on his, um, congratulating him on his efforts uh, while, you know, there's always the the understanding that, well, I beat you, though, so I'm better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and uh, then... Uh, brags about blatantly, blatantly wanting his boss's job. Like, oh, I'll be Visser One soon. <laughs> don't don't anyone tell Visser One that though. Well, I, as if Visser One doesn't already know. We had to I'm, though. I'm definitely gonna work my way up the corporate ladder. I deserve yeah, a promotion. This is important yeah. because if he doesn't say this, then we don't know that three is his rank, and it's just like his name. <laughs> Ali yeah, aliens be like that. <laughs> his real name is. I don't think it's really a spoiler, but Esplin. Um, I mean, Elbengor is. Sorry, can you spell? Can you spell that? <laughs> e S P L I N, and there's a number after it because they all have their okay. name that way. I mean, his other um, real name is Aloran yeah. Cemeter Coras, but <laughs> yeah, that's not his name. That's the name he's still. Elbengor <laughs> um, is purposefully broadcasting his thoughts to the kids, which is smart. Mister uh, Three, hold on, sorry, this is not something I'm used to doing. That's all uh, good. So Mr. Three kind of get gets caught monologuing. <laughs> I mean, the now the kids know that the Yorks need humans specifically because of their their numbers and their versatility. Um, 
which they yeah, wouldn't this, have this... known if Elfengor hadn't goaded Visser 3 into continuing to talk about it. Like, ooh, why do you need them? And then Visser 3 is like, ah, let me tell you my evil plan. <laughs> yeah, this, this just reads so much again. Like, again, to go back to the Bad Boy se- Wizard series, the uh, the fucking graveyard. Where it's like, mm-hmm. you have him on the gravestone restrained. You could just fucking knife this child and be done with it, but no, you have to spend a bunch of time and gloating and talking about shit. Yeah. Giving this kid a lot of information. In case I see where you're coming away. from, but that's just him being a dummo. This is specifically Elfangor provoking him to reveal more information. Yeah. No, that's true. Well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, it's like, a, yeah, I get that. It's just, it, it reads so much like that, where it's like the villain is just a fucking idiot. <laughs> Elfangor is so good at giving exposition that he tricks the villain in expositing too. Um, I guess, yeah. Just max, maxed out that deception role, Elfangor. Yeah. Um, Elfangor fights back with his tail, fires a blast from his ship. Uh, Yorks obviously respond in the way they're going to. They destroy the ship. Um, in the light of the Dracon beams, we get our first image of human controllers. Um at which point, Mr. Three morphs into a big space monster, <laughs> kind of like a big rancor thing. I, I, I kind of, I kind of, when I was reading this description, I was kind of thinking the Marlboros from Final Fantasy, like the big, like, uh, plant octopus <laughs> things, uh-huh. just the giant mouth and the tentacles. <laughs> there is a note I want to make here specifically. Uh, in this uh, fight scene, we do get the uh, the, the the classic sci-fi determination. Uh, Andalite. Laser beams are blue and yurks are red, so you know who's good and evil. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. very star- very. Which I always found that to be funny that Star Wars is kind of the opposite way because like all the Tie Fighters shoot like green lasers, but the X wings have red lasers. <laughs> yes, but in the prequel movies, the Republic has green lasers, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. They uh, they just I kept their laser fair, color. Yeah. And yeah, why would you change yeah, your laser yeah. color? <laughs> Yeah, considering that like the uh, some of like the droid Decca ships or whatever are just like proto Tie Fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mister Three morphs into big space monster, makes to eat Elfangor. Um, this is this is where at the beginning of chapter six uh, we get left off a cliff on a cliffhanger, and then at the beginning of chapter six we get the stupidest thing Jake ever does, <laughs> um, which is to attempt, <laughs> which is to attempt. To charge Visser Three, who is now a giant monster with a lead pipe. It's fine. He's got a lead yep. pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, I know that this is like years from now, but I somehow played the uh, in development version of Bioshock. I just have a pipe instead of a wrench. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the wrench is the, the the wrench is the most powerful weapon in that game, <laughs> so it makes sense. Marco and Cassie uh, will attempt to stop him. Um, I mean, they, they they do. They're level-headed under pressure, at least as level-headed as, as, as you know, you can be at that age. <laughs> um, and, uh, of course, Elfangor shouts, no, presumably um, omitting, you idiot. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so Jake does not, he calms down, he does not uh, charge the giant monster with a pipe. Um, so, so that kind of sets the tone for, I think, Marco's both Marco and Cassie, their characters are are often the the voices of reason. Yeah, Marco's and, like the strategy one. So, <laughs> yeah, C- Cassie's like the let's calm down and not, you know, murder everything all the time. <laughs> um, and Marco is is let's murder things, but do it intelligently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So, 
Yeah. Elfang, uh, so Elfangor, sorry, Elfangor's psychic scream rings out in the kids' minds as he is torn apart and eaten alive right in front of their eyes. Um, yep. So Elfangor Get goes down expositing bravely to the very end. Uh, and he's, you know, torn asunder. Um, the It's for Kids counter goes up by one. Uh, and uh, Hort-Bajir laugh while the taxons sort of just dive for the entrails in order to devour them. Yeah, um, yeah, geez. Like, it's it's yeah. thoroughly enough that a man gets eaten alive, but then, like, they describe it as, like, oh, a bit of the end of, like, fell off, <laughs> but that didn't get eaten, and then they're like, oh, yummy, uh, nice. Yeah, taxons are like Like, I'm just like, I'm just imagining the fucking, uh, seagulls from Mining Nemo going, no. <laughs> you know, like, die for it. It's basically what taxons are like, except just, you know, um, horrifying. <laughs> um, Mr. 3 makes a bad joke that relies on English idiom, mm-hmm, uh, taking a bite out of your enemies, <laughs> and then all the human controllers laugh as if they're gonna get decapitated if they don't, which they probably would. Um... <laughs> Marco vomits, understandably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Horkbajir notices Justifiably. This, yeah, Horkbajir notices the sound, uh, and the kids scatter on Jake's orders, which is, like, kind of the first hint of leadership we get from him. <laughs> um, at this point, uh, Rachel and Jake sort of make themselves known because they're confident in being faster than, than Marco and Cassie. Marco and Cassie are short. Tobias is out of shape. But Jake's not good enough to be on the basketball team, so how fast is he, really? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, Tobias being out of shape, again, relatable to Animorphs readers at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Rachel uh, curses out the, the Hort-Bajir, which is what I thought was really funny. Yeah, it, yeah. It's not transcribed, yeah, it's... but um, it's just kind of adorable to me, <laughs> the idea that the, the idea that uh, 90s preteens would not be aware of curse words. <laughs> well, I think it's, I think if I'm remembering correctly, Jake describes it as like words that he didn't know she knew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, like Jake knows really? these words, he just assumes that his cousin doesn't because she's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if, if if he had considered her personality even once ah! like, for a second, Nap's <laughs> uh. just hoping that she just straight up called them like the sea word or something. <laughs> like it's like, how far could it be that this twelve year old wouldn't know a swear to think that his cousin might not know? But also at the same time, I don't think Jake would know the sea word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so the Hortbashir have this cool pigeon language. I always liked. Um, they're kind of like. I always, I always kind of figured that, like, the Yurks were using, like, the language center of the brain to speak, because they can speak whatever language their their uh, host has. Yeah. Um, the Hortbashir oh, okay. are kind of stupid. Um, just like, you know, that's just kind of how they are. Uh, so mm. it makes sense they really don't have the language capability of other, of other hosts. Um, we get... A scene with Jake running into this unfinished building to escape. He loses Rachel in the process. We kind of get like a hobbits hiding behind the roots scene. And we got these like uh, Horkbajir outside searching for him. He runs um, through the building as uh, a familiar voice. Ooh, I wonder who it could be. Orders the Horkbajir to kill on sight. And the chapter ends 
with Jake running by a homeless guy who definitely does not later get beheaded and take the fall for the kiss. Yeah, yeah, th- th- this man is 100% dead. Yes, <laughs> absolutely dead. Like, R.I.P. poor homeless man, you did not deserve a teenager luring space monsters to your sleeping yes. location. Uh. Also, I just, when you describe them as, uh, like, uh, pigeons where they basically just, like, only say a few words. I actually immediately thought of Kenku. Like, they basically just repeat a few little bits, what, but they don't, like, really say, like, full sentences necessarily. What I, what I mean by pigeon is that there's, like, a pigeon language. As in, they have a, they speak a combination of Horpajir and, and, yeah. and, Oh, okay. And, like, I, th- I thought you are referring, uh, I thought you are referring to, like, actual <laughs> birds. I, I forget what the, what the, uh, internet, like, the inter, like, the interplanetary language is mm-hmm. in, and there's a name for it. Um, oh, they, they have. They basically have like a equivalent of like, uh, like more or less galactic standards. Yeah, they have like a galactic basic language. Um, I forget what gotcha. it's called. Do you remember? Uh, I can't Nobody? say that I do. No. Anyway, it's a thing. <laughs> uh, and then they speak a little bit of English because that's what the human controllers speak. So, um, mm-hmm. that's that like by pidgin language, I mean the Horpajir have like got a combination language, sort of. Yeah, um, yeah, like they they're saying like a few words in their native language, and uh, then also occasionally saying like "me kill." Gallard, it's yeah. called G A L A. Gallard, yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, we get a good sort of like this was a good point to stop on, I think, because it's like a natural stopping point. Yeah, in a absolutely. Sense. The, like if we stop that like chapter four like we discussed it's like okay well it's a cliffhanger yeah really, exactly but this also is kind of yeah, a but it's a solid it, cliffhanger it is, for sure <laughs> it is but it like wraps up the initial arc of of the the book which sort of ends with them you know having the powers not having used them yet we're excited to see how that works um <laughs> and getting a man killed <laughs> yeah and getting a man killed yeah mm-hmm. as, as you do <laughs> The first, vi- the first victim of this intergalactic war on Earth. <laughs> well, congrats, kids. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. you could consider all of the human controllers to be victims as well. Um, it... The the first confirmed body, at the least. Yeah. No, we do get like later. Well, Quasi confirmed. We do get like later vivid descriptions of what it is like to be a controller, and it is not fun. <laughs> it is pretty much a living hell. Yeah. yeah. Like, also, the Yorks got to Earth in 66, so, like, this definitely isn't the first victim. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, fair. We'll, we'll, uh... I'm also now... Uh, now I'm just, in, <laughs> I'm just imagining the Yorks as Xehanort living in Terry body. <laughs> uh, I would like to say, I think I figured out something, just sort of reading through that your chapters... While Jake is being chased, he describes the Hork-Bajir bounding after him like devil kangaroos. I think that's why I thought they didn't have the big necks, because I was imagining them more as, like, kangaroo bodies. Weird. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, especially when they describe it as, like, they have Tyrannosaurus Rex legs. It's like, they don't (laughs) pop. I mean, they might have. We don't know. They're... these weird snake dinosaur rabbits. We, we don't know how they run. They might walk run differently from walking, and their running might be more of a bounding. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe they do straight up have, like, the rabbit feet where it's, like, again, like, well, I guess rabbits have to hop everywhere, but ferrets have the same where they have longer back legs where it's, like, if a ferret wants to go something or fast, they actually are doing, like, a hop like a bunny. Yeah. They're, they're an arboreal species, so I don't know if that, like, they wouldn't necessarily have to run normally. Yeah, they'd maybe be a lot more they, specialized they for jumping for there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
So that is our first several chapters. Is there anything that anyone wants to say about about this before we wrap up, I guess? Uh-huh. Not this really wasn't expecting Vor to happen in the first five chapters, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, not even the not, not not even the only time that will happen either. <laughs> oh fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and that was hard Vor too. Not even the kind of soft and cuddly kind. <laughs> no, that was be, that was someone being torn apart and then their entrails being eaten by giant maggots. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> in front of a bunch of twelve year olds. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think the only other thing Yay. I really have to say at this point is that I just missed this series a lot. It, it's really good to be back in it. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I mean, I, it's I actually. This is, a, this is a shame of mine. I have not read every single book. Oh, okay. Um, well, this will be an so interesting it, project then. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to actually go through and have a reason, like uh, a reason that I have to read every single book. <laughs> um, Contractually obligated now. Yes. <laughs> exactly. In fact, I read the Elimist Chronicles <laughs> before I read the thing that the Elimist Chronicles spoils. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, okay. And I, then I ended up not reading that because I like I just like looked on the wiki and I was like, okay, that's how it goes. <laughs> so, so is is it still recommended that you just read like all fifty four of the main books before you read any? No, definitely not. Stuff? The no, other stuff happens no. at specific points in the timeline. They will okay, make so then when, callbacks. To... Whenever so that so then whenever the fuck we get there, we're going to basically like stop continuing the main ones. Yeah, I've got others? a reading order, but like the the first Megamorphs They're, book okay. happens right after book seven, so. Oh, and, okay. And there are characters yeah, that show up from some of the Chronicles mm -hmm. books. Um, after, like, after the Chronicles books happen chronologically. Yeah. Or not even chronologically, yeah, just, yeah. like, when you're supposed to read them. I mean, like, most of oh, Andalite Chronicles takes place well before book one. Um, uh, a a same with I mean, Book I, I assume that, I assume just based on that name, it's <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, except, well, yeah, no, all the, all the Chronicles books are prequels, actually. Well, kind of, because Hork-Bajir is someone in the modern day telling us about the prequel. <laughs> and the Olympus Chronicles is the Olympus telling us about the prequel as well. Yep. Um, so so did, did all these other books release like in between or were they released just after the series? They were finished? in between, yeah. Yeah. That's oh, okay. part of why they, the they, series they're... gets um, ghostwriters later on is so that Applegate can focus on writing the main big books. Because cause the... Gotcha. The Chronicles books are like full YA novels. They're not little novellas like these are. They're like, they're not thick tomes, but some know, of them are double or thicker. triple the length. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say, even though it's like one of the last books we will read, <laughs> I'm so looking forward to the Elimus Chronicles. It's just the trippiest shit ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, uh, just wait till like 2025 or 2028 for that. Yeah. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, I don't think we're doing plugs on these episodes because it is a Patreon episode, so. Yeah. Yeah, like if if you're like if you're basically listening to this, you already know that stuff. <laughs> yeah, presumably you would be listening to the proper. I guess I would <laughs> ask Kate. Do you have anything that you would like to plug? Since you're not on the main episodes, this would be the place for you. <laughs> um, no, I am much too busy right now with you know life stuff to have anything to plug. Fair enough. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, based on what you told me just over the last few days, it really sounds like you're super busy yes. most of the time. <laughs> but yeah, um, then I think we have reached the end of our first episode, which means we need to come up with an outro. How do we feel about this? Anybody, anybody have ideas? <laughs> I have none. I, I, okay. I have read six chapters, not including that little bit of a Tobias book, so I have no fucking idea if there's any thing that the kids bring up like a re like a recurring bit uh, the only real recurring bit is that uh rachel is xena and that's just not interesting enough for an outro so i guess we yeah. will close it out <laughs> oh, but she's also i did forget storm i did get, i did forget to name my chapters and that's not fair i apologize um <laughs> that's okay that's all so then. i'll just call chapter five intro to four and then six hardcore yeah. <laughs> 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 well that'll do it uh Vor 101 and then Vor 301. Yes. <laughs> I just want to steal an outro from another podcast. Can we do Kiss Your Visceral Square on the Mouth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Zero did nothing wrong. Yep. Yep. Okay. There we go. Yeah. See, yeah. Again, again, I ask how long till I have contact? Um, probably about book, like, book five, I think. Book six, I think, actually. Okay. Yeah. So, again, like um, three months yeah. from now. <laughs> That's. The first time he appeared, well, yeah, book eight. Okay, okay, oh, okay. it's it's, so, so it's the like one where our sixth yeah. ranger shows up, <laughs> and yeah. Okay, but, it's it's the nineties equivalent of Vedagard did nothing wrong. It's what I'm gonna assume. Uh, no, actually, this isn't. This is serious. It's not. It's not ironic. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. But, if you if you play three houses, you would know that a lot of people actually do think Edelgard did everything wrong. <laughs> yeah, but uh, and no, she didn't. <laughs> um, let's let's close it out then with a good old Zero did nothing wrong. Zero did nothing wrong. <laughs> Pre presumably, Zero did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs>